adventure. Excitement. Frankly, my dear, I don't give it. You can't handle the butthead. I am the father. Just stand on it, I guess. Long as she can. I love the spell. Mrs. Hogwaller. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Come with me if you want to live. See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. How do I look? Bring out today! Welcome to Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of My Movies Better, Party Down. This week we're talking about party movies with my very special guest, Jamie LeBrun of the Storyburst Podcast. Hello, Jamie. Yo, what's up? What's going on, man? Not much. Good to have you back. First time on this show, but Jamie is also my co-host for Wonderfully Awful. Yeah. Uh, so you've heard his beautiful voice before. So this week... Wait, I forgot. I had a joke. Okay, go. Do it. Roll it. No, I was going to say I had a joke, but I forgot it. Oh, okay. That's why I said I forgot well, I had a joke. that's why we pay you the big bucks. Yep. Uh, this week, we are talking about party movies, or movies that are about sort of about partying. One of them is actually about a party, sort of. One of them's about partying, and one of them has a party in it that is like the centerpiece of the film. We like the party. So, actually, two of them technically have a party that's like the centerpiece of the film. But anyway, uh, the three movies this week are 24 Hour Party People Go and This Is the End. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of My Movies Better. Yeah. Manchester, birthplace to the railways, the computer, the bouncing bomb. In 1976, if you wanted to see the most exciting bands in the world, they were on a regional show coming out of Manchester. My show. I'm Tony Wilson. June the 4th, the Sex Pistols play Manchester for the very first time. There are only 42 people in the audience. Inspired, they will go out and perform wondrous deeds. For instance, behind me, a stiff kittens, later to become Joy Division. And finally to become New Order. That's John the Postman, he's a postman. Have you heard of Factory Records? My label. Joy Division, New Order, Happy Mondays. We are an experiment in human nature. What kind of music you got me bringing in? Sort of new wave, kind of indie. Indian? Pity you didn't sign the Smiths. I've just seen God. What do you look like? Who like me? United Artists presents Steve Coogan in the international smash comedy. It's like Scooby-Doo, isn't it? Because they like they had a bust, didn't they? It is a little bit like Scooby-Doo. It takes you back to the start of a movement. This is it. The birth of rave culture. This is the moment when even the white man starts dancing. 
A time when legends were created. You know, I think that Sean Ryder is on par with WBH as a poet. Give him an example of some of your lyrics. Good, good, good. Good, good, double good. And rules were broken. Really ought to be careful with that, Sean. You could take someone's eye out. Did I offer anybody oh. like the best no. experience you've ever had? Don't judge. I'm being postmodern before it was fashionable. When you have to choose between the truth and the legend, print the legend. Is he gonna hit me? 24-hour party people. Twenty Four Hour Party People is a 2002 British comedy drama film about the Madchester popular music community from around 1976 to 1992, specifically Factory Records, Joy Division slash New Order, and The Happy Mondays. It was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce and directed by Michael Winterbottom. And it stars Steve Coogan, Patty Constantine, Sean Harris, Shirley Henderson, and Lenny James. Oh, and Andy Serkis. Throw Andy Serkis. Um, and uh, the film currently holds an 86% fresh certified on Rotten Tomatoes and was rated four stars out of four by Roger Ebert. So this is my pick this week. I'm a big fan of uh, both the bands in it, specifically uh, the Mondays enjoy division um and uh jamie what did you think about this movie uh well <laughs> this is my first time watch thank you for recommending it yeah uh recommending or just giving it to me <laughs> i only say giving it to <laughs> me because i don't know how i like if i'm being honest like i was probably like i, I mean i was thoroughly entertained but like it, it could do without the 30 minute long just music and people dancing like there weren't yeah. 30 minutes it was like three minutes they were overly <laughs> done just like not because i don't like the music um which i do like the music i just don't love it and it's like i never really got into the whole like sex pistols i do love joy division but it was just those scenes were a little bit too long for me yeah i mean i think it's also uh it falls a little bit into the biop category i think like biopic like ray or fucking the johnny cash movie or something like it's a little yeah. it's different than those but it's definitely i mean it's a biop of tony wilson steve yeah. Coogan's character you well, know that's what i'm getting at. but right. on the bright side like i couldn't wait for the story to keep going mm. after that because i was very interested in like the story i just like it was like it was a little bit too long of a break right. from progressing right it's I do, like, it is a long movie. I do like some of the stuff with that. Like, for instance, they interspliced um, actual footage of the Sex Pistols yes, yeah, with that. actors dressed like them. And I thought that was really interesting. So, And there was a lot of, like, fourth wall breaking yeah. stuff. Like, obviously on the face of it, literally the one of the first lines in the movie I mean, it's not the first line, but it's it's like maybe the the third page of the movie. He's already yeah, he's, talking directly to the audience, telling them that you're going to see like, you're going to see more of hang gliding, right? Right, and then he's like, you're going to see a lot more of this later in the film, like, and uh, so I think it's really an interesting, um, and also it 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 really uh, reflects the the guy, the scene, the culture, the the guys in the bands, like how the movie is made. It kind of has a punk 
aesthetic. I think that's what it's going for. It's mm. not a normal movie. Um, and I really, I really like that about it. Um, and personally, the the scene, two two particular scenes, the scene where the, um, the Joy Division song uh, uh, transmission, I believe it is. It might, it's either transmission or, or lost, she's lost control. Um, uh, where it's like showing them playing live at at I think at the club or a club. Yeah. Um, that scene is really good. The guy who's playing Ian Curtis does a very interesting job of recreating uh Ian yeah, those little str- microphone shakes and right the, the right his weird like uh gazes. dance movements yeah. and what yeah he was very intense and he kind of did a th- it's interesting because what i read was that curtis actually started to mimic these seizures because he saw a woman having a seizure um and he started to dance like that and then he himself started to have the seizures Hmm. which is a weird like bit of the the myth behind everything and uh so like I, i'm already i was already predisposed to like this movie because of that and because because i love those bands and because i love steve coogan big huge oh, fan yeah, of him right now yeah. he's hilarious alan partridge great show um and there, i believe it's also a, like a movie of alan partridge it's also uh the trip it was a great movie that he's in um about him him playing himself and another actor playing himself on a food trip through Italy, like a restaurant tour yeah. of Italy. Um, but it that's it's like funny and poignant and really sad and it's like a beautiful fucking movie. It kinda leaves you feeling the same way that um that uh uh oh my god, that Jim Carrey movie, Eternal Spot Spot Sunshine. Eternal spot Sunshine Spot. Eternal Sunspot of the Shineless Mind. Yes, um, that's but, a great film. Yeah. It, but it leaves you feeling the same way, like happy and broken <laughs> at the same time. It's you have a lot of emotions going on. So yeah. I really like him. So yeah, this this film is is really important to me. I think. Oh, one quick note on the uh, mm-hmm. the whole you mentioned like the uh, the actors and they, they actually had real footage of the actual band members and like kind of splice it with the actors. Right. Like the first time I seen it with the the Sex Pistols and like the pretty much the opening. In the beginning, at the very beginning of the movie, right, right, not the very beginning, but uh, I was really weirded out by it. But then, as it kept going, I got really used to it, and I, I realized that they just they did a, a good job at making you at least feel right in the time, right. And I I think it captured also like how the film is sub- almost like you're watching someone tell you what happened to them, you know, autobiograph autobiographical story. But instead of them just li- like reliving the moments and just staying the way they were, you're seeing it through how they remember it. So yeah. it's like there's edges to the memory where the memory stops because you can't remember what happened on the sides of that memory, so to speak. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, and there's also the things like my probably my favorite scene to describe like what the movie's like to people is a scene where the, the guy from the Buzzcocks is having sex with his wife in the bathroom. Yeah. And then the actual guy from the Buzzcocks is yeah, like, I don't remember yeah, any I of this. Say that. Yeah. I'm going to bring that up. And then he goes, and then it's a voiceover of him saying like, he asked us to say this, but remember if the legend's better than the truth, print always the le- go yeah. to legend. Basically okay. always print the legend. When you have to choose between the truth and the legend, print the legend. Um, and so I think that that is really the mantra of the whole film. Because another another funny scene that is is based on a legendary story is when 
uh, they tell the drummer from Joy Division to go out on the roof and play. Yeah, and then later, yeah, he's yes, still on the roof notes. hours later. They drive away and it pans up to the just at nighttime. It's like right, dark. It's right, just the same because because uh, Martin Hammett told it. him to stay out there and he'll send the, somebody out say, there. That was that was my favorite part of the yep. entire movie. That's a great moment. Yeah, but so it, it, yeah, it's very much like a distant, foggy memory. Um, that is filled with exaggerations to make it a better story. Mm. And, like, obviously I feel like he, uh, like, there's these exaggerated feelings towards Ian Curtis that come out. Like, um, and they're, but they're little, little, like, 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 I would say shines or, um, um, uh, uh, like asterisks to dialogue. You really have to, like, think about what's going on in the scene. Like, for instance, when he's standing there with Ian's body, and uh, Simon Pegg, and he's like, "That's the Che Guevara of the next, mu- you know, the current musical movement or whatever." Yeah, Simon you know Pegg, Simon Pegg from um, Hot Fuzz. No, I know, I know who Simon Pegg is. He's he's in it. Yeah, how did I recognize him? Like two seconds. He's that guy with like spiky blonde hair. You know, who, I thought he's like, looked like Simon Pegg in there, but he's I, I'm like, like no, and, just, and um, then I thought it was Tom York again. And then I thought it was the dude yeah. from. Uh, Right, uh, Doctor Who, and then which turned out to actually be in it. So. Right, who's that? And that was the guy who looked like Tom York. That was the guitarist. In There's a lot of similar looking uh, people. New Order, but yeah, but so Simon Pegg was uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was a another journalist, um, music journalist, mm-hmm. and he's the one that Coogan's like, can you can you trying to get him to write about Ian Curtis? Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'll think about it. And then they go in, and he looks at the body, and then when he's leaving, Steve Coogan says like goodbye, son, or something like that. And I always thought that line was really interesting that he, like, calls him son. And I think there was a bit of that, like, he's, like, he feels like a father figure to all these guys. And, like, he's, there's, like, all these little underlying subtexts that you can pick out. But they're never really, like, flushed that. out enough yeah. that, like, they become a, 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 a trope or something in a movie. You know what I mean? It's ver- done in a very nuanced way. And I really always liked that about it. It's kind of funny because... You mentioned that like the whole son thing when they when they show him in the crowd, uh, Tony. Yep. And, like he's like in a suit surrounded by all these like kids that are the band's own age, but he's like a, a supporting dad coming to mm-hmm. see his son's show yep. at like yep. like it's great. middle school or something. It's yeah. great. Well, also I think it was a it's about a very specific time, um, in music in England because uh, basically. Like the Sex Pistols, that whole being the the beginning of it, the genesis of it, is kind of misleading because like, punk was sort of a, a thing that it was almost over by the time that this movie takes place. Yeah. Um, like the Sex Pistols in 1976, compared to like you know 1974 or five, you had the Ramones and like Iggy Pop were big in America. So like the movement had already kind of passed by this time. So there was like a new order <laughs> yeah right. pun intended but they did a good uh, job coming. at blending it like the the times like, when, when he was talking about the double helix yeah yeah exactly and so like i think it's interesting that joy division uh comes on the heels of this punk movement and they were really influenced by it and were doing more of a punk thing so like their live shows don't sound like their records and vice versa because of like what you see in the movie, Hammett wanted to like take their style and shrink it down. Like the point when he's like, play like people have been playing drums like that for thirty fucking years. Like play it like more simple 
but better. <laughs> like, yeah. and what he's literally is, and when you listen to like, especially, um, I think it's it's uh, she's lost control. Is the song I'm thinking of. The drums on that, which are what he's playing, where he had the uh, the open snare instead of like you know the yeah. the snare he had, you know that like yeah. open sound. That particular thing is like that. It's almost like primal or or uh, what's the other word? Uh, primitive, you know. And and it, everything being so stripped down, and that like the bass leads everything with these like guitar like coming in in like, little tiny spurts. Like that was their sound, and it was so important. But that wasn't even what the band really. The band hated those records, and they they had a different idea what their sound should be. And, then so you see that sort of era like fall away and that leads us into the happy mondays which to me is like a forgotten band especially in american culture because i don't think they ever they never hit like say the band i'm about to lead into in a sec oasis did um but they're kind of like the pre-oasis and when i watch like i watched some interviews with the guys actually from the band and stuff and that's what it reminds me of the most. But these are the guys that poisoned all the pigeons. Yes, correct. Yes, so, so is their that, introduction. Is that just legend, do you think? Or uh, that is apparently legend. But from what else I think you see of the characters and what I saw from the interviews, they were they were lads, as they call them in England. They're street kids. Yeah, they could have easily been in what they call a firm or a gang. Uh, in England, okay. yeah, they were, they were, they were, and that's why I compare yeah. them to their other, also from Manchester, Oasis, working class kids who aren't uh, like you know Londoners. They're they're not proper. They're not like the Smiths or the Cure, who were like nice proper boys. These guys were a little rough know, around the edges. Just like jog my memory of like him, uh, uh, spraying, uh, rubbing the tanning oil on. Yeah, and like yeah. dressing them up like scouts, as he called. That them. was I forget what that was. That, was that called. the Happy Mondays? No, that band was. was oh, I'm gonna have to look it up now. There's there's a few bands that are at least mentioned, if not shown, because um, there's also the Derudi column, which wasn't that band either. But uh, a certain ratio yeah, was the name of that okay. band. Yeah, they were sort of like they were kind of like the first band that he signed in a sense. Uh, Joy Division, I think, actually was, but like a certain ratio had been sort of like the house band at Hacienda, and he mm. had kind of like come up with them. So they, he like knew all the guys and was sort of like a, unofficially, I think, their manager or something. Computer, computer, come in. Yes. The group's debut single, All Night Party, released by Factory Records in September 1979, the label's first single artist release for with Factory label boss Tony Wilson also becoming their manager, proclaiming the band to be the new Sex Pistols. So, like, it's weird because it's, like, leading us... It's the bridge between the, you know, English punk scenes, Sex Pistols, the Clash, bands like that, and... uh really like the, the the british invasion of the early 90s specifically oasis hmm. and I, it's sad to me that the mondays especially get left out i think mainly because uh ecstasy culture went away and their music is so fueled towards that sort of culture it's like almost like hip hypnotic dance rhythms very like crowd rocky so it's the sort of thing that you know people on drugs like to dance to
I guess you guys are going to notice a theme through that uh, this episode. Yeah, <laughs> ecstasy is in all three of these movies. So the ecstasy... Not on purpose, either. No, I guess no, the not, theme not designed, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it comes up. Yeah. And, uh, I was I was very drugs happy. And, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Right, but. right. I was very happy this morning. I was watching... Um, this morning I watched uh, This Is The End for the first time. And uh, when the scene came in that movie where they, they had ecstasy, I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> like, checks off all the boxes. I completely forgot So that. we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so I, I'd say the way this movie pretty much uh, plays out is that you have... Um, you know, the rise of one band, the fall of that band, uh, the tragic, I guess you could say, suicide of Ian Curtis, um, and the disillusion thereof of Joy Division as a band, which led to the creation of New Order and uh, the song Blue Monday, which is a was a massive hit. Yeah. Actually became a second massive hit for the band Orgy about 10 years uh, later. Orgy. Yeah, years I, I, later. Listen, I was in a band in high school, and I covered that song on drums. Oh, does it? Yeah. It was a good song. It's a great song. Uh, I actually never knew that it was a New Order song, like until oh, after I first heard it for like years, because I probably heard it when I was like fifth, sixth grade. Yeah, as, after you first heard the Orgy version. Yeah, the Orgy version. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the same here. Like. So yeah, probably one of the v- only bands ever to be that successful, and and actually more. They were actually more financially successful as New Order off of that song. Um, than they were in, at, at any time in Joy Division. I think Joy Division always remembered uh, more fondly because of the fact that they have two albums and they're very, very well-loved and influential albums. And then, you know, you have the the classic Hendrix, Cobain, whatever, mm. you know, early, before their time sort of death that leaves, uh, you know, that leaves a lot to be desired, I guess you could yeah. say, in their career. And that leads us, of course, like we were saying, into the Mondays, their career, which I think is really interesting because they were, as we said, as I said, lads. Yeah. And they were a bit rough around the edges. And uh, they basically effed themselves completely and somehow survived it. And actually, technically, I think they're still an active band to this day. They've been off and on for years. Um, but I think they're technically still an active band right now. And really? I, I know, yeah, Sean Ryder is still performing. Um, so their downfall, though, is all based basically on this one record. I was just telling you about this, where they uh, they go to Barbados because there's no heroin on the island of Barbados, and Sean Ryder oh, and his yeah. brother have been doing lots of heroin. Side note here, the guy who plays like the, the, the mobster dude or the gangster that they hire to do, become their security guy, yeah. Remember that character? Yeah, yeah. That is Paul Ryder from the Happy Mondays. Oh shit. Yep, and there's one we kind of missed it. We we're we we're just going back through it. There's a little scene where it shows he goes back and he's like, "Oh, you know, a lot of people were in this movie." It's near the very end. He's like, "A lot of people are in this movie. Like this person and this person. That's one of the people he points out." Like so he points out like a bunch of different uh uh actual people who lived in the time who had been just in like little cameos here and there throughout the movie, and like I said, so my first time, and I'm not too into that culture, but like, you know, just to clarify, when I said in the beginning, I do like the music. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. actually, I, I very much enjoy uh, at least Joy Division. Uh, I'm just never really into the, the, the early the, stuff like the. The thing about the Mondays is that's uh, they're kind of like they're tougher to get into. 
Because I remember, like, when I first heard the first song I ever heard from them is it's in this movie briefly. It's called Kinky Afro, um, and it's a weird sort of song. Uh, like it's it's real. It, their 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 music was like intense fusion of so many different things. Like there's influences of like you know island styles of music. There's influences of rave culture music and and uh, house music. There's influences of like northern soul and like classic mm. English pop. So like there's there's like so much going on that there it it all just kind of becomes this weird like it's it's very 1990s because it reminds me of hip hop in a way how it's like all of a sudden a lot of artists were finding it easier to blend everything together to create a new genre than just being like we're a blues band or we're a hard rock band or we're yeah. you know whatever you're you know so like it it's like I think they're like almost one of the epitomes of 90s music but they fucked themselves and so their legacy will always kind of be tarnished because of that because they put out an album with no lyrics on it yeah. and and destroyed the record company they were on and somehow survived through it but like they never had a chance to continue to be successful like say even Oasis did to continue to stay in the public you know mind's eye or whatever long enough to be considered culturally relevant even by today's standards uh, what was the band that uh at the uh, the hacienda when was that the ha- oh, wait no that must have been the happy mondays when the, that was during the ecstasy right yeah, yeah yeah they were playing a song that i really liked and i don't know the name of it i'm gonna find it out i'll try to find it for you they, i think they play three happy mondays or maybe four in the song in the movie in the, songs yeah. in the movie um kinky afro's one one of that but that's the one it was like super dancey th- they're all pretty <laughs> super dancey okay, then maybe i would like but them. um there's i think they they cover about at least two i mean technically they cover three albums because also uh in the scene where they're listening to the happy monday's fourth album yes please for the first time um they play a little bit of the first song from that Mm. so they play i think at least one song from almost all their albums at least i know from two the album bummed and the album pills thrills and belly aches um which is kinky kinky afro and uh but I think the one you're thinking of is I forget I think it's called Rote for Luck I'm, I believe I believe that's the one they're playing on stage. Right. But there's also a bit there's out. also a brief moment where it shows like it shows them like earlier in the movie. Remember there's like two seconds where it's like these guys will be coming back later as the Happy Mondays. He's like yeah, sitting on the couch yeah. watching them talk shit about Joy Division. I'm pretty sure or something like that. Or maybe the Sex Pistols. Like, they're talking shit it, about it was some the Sex band. Pistols. Yeah, yeah. It was um, the, uh, the beginning. When... Right. Right. And then they switch it on to like a folk, a more like folky thing, and they're listening to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that also shows where their sort of like style came from a little bit more. There were a lot of, not, I didn't write them all down, but a few good quotes that I've like never really, yeah. Like especially like uh, we didn't obviously cover the him getting a blowjob in the van by the right, right. And his oh, girlfriend and or whatever. Forgot covering. to mention this because we've really, yeah, she's great in this movie. Albeit she has a very small role. Um, also, do you know what other movie she is in? Let me just, what's her name? Shirley Henderson. You know what other movie she was in recently, actually? I don't really. Harry Potter. Really? Yeah. And she play? the Azkaban, I think it is. She's, um, no, no, the second one, I'm sorry. Chamber of Secrets. She's, uh, the, the ghost girl in the bathroom. Morning Myrtle. Morning Myrtle, yep. Oh, damn. Yep. 
Yeah, Moaning Myrtle and everybody, people who don't know this are always like, you're wrong about this when I say this, but it's true. The woman who played Moaning Myrtle was like in her 50s when she played Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. Check yeah, it out. No, I Shirley Henderson. I, I believe you. She was she was like in her 20s when they made this movie in 2002. Do the math. She's about 50 now. 2002? Yeah. She was at least like 20, 30. She was like 20, late 20s, early 30s when okay. they made this okay. movie. Late 20s. Really. Okay. Into, yeah. No, no, I don't mean she was like 20 years old. Like what I was getting at with that whole thing uh, eventually led to, for some reason, they was still, uh, oh yeah, the bathroom stall scene where. Right, right. With the whole, like, with the buzzcocks. Uh, with the legend. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, but then it went to, like, they were still kind of hanging out together and whatever. And, like, it finally led up to him be like, hey, like, I need you to tell me, are you leaving me when they're in the car? Yeah, because she's he's and there the and train she's like, station. no, everything's bad energy now. And like he said this one thing that was just that made me crack up a little bit. Like, uh, he's, but uh, late twentieth century hokum. Uh, no energy. Yeah. Like, what is this? It's all late twentieth century hokum masquerading as spirituality. Yep. Like, yep. He has some great. I think one of the best things about this movie is that it lets it's written exactly for Steve Coogan's aptitude as a mm. as a talker as a speaker right? yeah. he's very witty and he knows how to hit the lines perfectly um and so if it's like it's like tailor-made for his style and mm. i really think that like if you like any steve coogan stuff you'll love this i think this is like one of the best things he's ever he's ever done it's it, he's very very well written that character is very well written and he does great stuff with it no i enjoyed his work and uh oh, real quick one more yeah quote when uh the, some guy was describing the i forget which band it was it's like jazzy or whatever and oh the like, jazz line yeah, yeah jazz musicians enjoy themselves more than anyone else yep, listening yep exactly it, i was like that is so fucking true exactly well and i love certain jazz musicians but i yes most jazz But you're not having as much fun as they are no but like i don't listen to like much past like the very greatest jazz musicians you know no, what I mean? I, I'm the same way, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'll listen to Miles Davis, but I'm not just going to like listen to a jazz album. Fuck that. Like It needs to be someone big. It needs yeah, to be I mean, like yeah. Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Charlie Davis. Parker, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, somebody somebody big. Um, yeah, so I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. If you have not seen it and you hate biops, and that would be a reason you might not want to see it, just know that I hate biops too and I still love this movie because it's not typical and it's not – um it's it's fun it's interesting and i think most people regardless of how they feel about the music or the bands even if they know nothing about them even if they don't like the music i think you can still enjoy this movie because yeah. there are i mean the music is a big part of it but it's it's still a really engaging funny interesting film and like you were saying the story is so good that the story might keep you there yeah that's what even it, if you're not as into the music that's what it did it for me right but not like not to bash on the music but uh no oh, of course uh, one more thing. was that ufo what the hell is that ufo doing like that's uh, kind is of it like what a I'm, drug trip well sort of but it's also kind of what i'm getting it's into like a, i know it's like we're trying i think it's supposed to be based on a story that sean actually told people mm. that he had been abducted by aliens or saw a, an alien spaceship Okay. or something it's it's based on a story but it's that same thing where it's like a legend it's it's just another it's, weird legend yeah. that happens in it and it, and like honestly i remember thinking the first time i saw it in the scene where we, we can't also we can't end it without talking about this the, the last scene 
Um, oh yeah where he comes back as himself as god in the sky when i first saw it i thought that was going to be like this aliens or something again um when he like looked because the camera like goes up to the sky and you see the sky like going crazy at first i was like oh is it the aliens coming back and then it's steve coogan with the big beard trust as god he's like steve or uh tony you have done well basically (laughs) like you did good job and he's like really thanks god and then I guess if you already went as far as to show a UFO coming down and everything, then right. why not just keep going right. with it? So you. But again, I think that's more based on like how he tells the story. It's yeah. based on like, it's it's, it's almost the way I would describe this movie. So it's just like kind of visuals in his brain about like legendary type or like not legendary, but um. Imagine think about it like this. Imagine Tony. It's like big fish. I was just gonna say that. I'm so glad you jumped in front. Yes, Tony is just like Albert Finney in Big Fish. Damn. Which... You were just not seeing the rest of the movie of him talking to someone. Mm-hmm. It's like you're sitting there with Tony Wilson and he's telling you the story. That's why he keeps standing in the story and commenting on stuff yeah. that's happening as he tells it because it's like him now going back telling you. And, and I love how the movie really is centered around that. It's actually more so than Big Fish because Big F- No worries. It's more like that than Big Fish because Big Fish uh, doesn't actually have him speaking to you directly as an audience member. So the great thing about 24-Hour Party People is that you are the person that is being told the story. Yeah. And, th- and that's what's really unique about it. You know, It's almost like it took Big Fish and took out Tony Wilson talking to some reporter. That's like the – or you know, it, I, I call it the, the Princess Bride bookends to a movie where the movie is being told in a story actually i was telling talking earlier and we're about to get into this on go so i might as well mention it here rashomon is like this where you have the, the story starts you have a character right rashomon you have a mm-hmm. woodcutter and a peasant they meet at this temple and the woodcutter starts telling a story right then you have the actual film inside of those two bookends which are the beginning and the end of the story so everything inside the story is is self-contained but that's like the actual story of the movie yes you know this is that with just that part you know so you are the person being told story and i think that's cool so yeah that is 24 hour party people uh that's all i have to say about it if you have anything else um just speaking of big fish like do you think he actually thought himself was god coming down like or exaggerating in such a way that he thought i would like who, I, who do you think that could represent well, I interpreted it as uh, it's like, like I was saying, that's actually why I thought of the big fish comparison in the first place was because the idea that if he's telling you the story, he'd be like, well, then it was like God was speaking to me. It's like you're visualizing him having like this, this epiphany moment where he feels like he's being told the exact answer he needs to hear or whatever in that moment. And, and you're hearing it through his voice. So even if he's literally saying, I literally, the sky's open and I saw God, you're hearing it through his voice, which is why he is also God in a weird way. Yeah, okay. Or it could just be that that's exactly how he would tell a story. He'd be like, God opened up and he looked just like me. You know, God was in the sky and he was me. He was a reflection of myself. Like that could be just how he tells the story. I'm not sure. One day he just like started talking to himself in the mirror and just like used that as like, no, I was... No, I don't know. Tell <laughs> open to whatever. Right. And we're just going to move right along yeah. to your pick 
this week, which is the movie Go. So we'll be right back after this message. I'm really sorry, but I think we're going to have to leave soon because uh, Adam's not feeling well. Huh? I don't. It's true. Well, if you got to go, uh, <laughs> then I understand. Well, Irene and I sort of had an ulterior motive for inviting you here tonight. He makes it sound sinister. It's not. No, I don't. She's right. Okay. Okay. You've looked around our place. Where do you think we got most of this stuff? Just guess. Come on. Sears? J.C. Penny. It's actually from Confederated Products. Almost everything in this house is from Confederated Products. From the toilet paper, to the, to, to the candles, to the ham. The, the wine. The wine, the wine. Even that cologne you liked. You see, Confederated Products is a multi-level direct wholesaling company, which means we don't just sell the products ourselves. No, sir, you read Bob. We recruit and manage teams that work under us. Now, Irene and I started eight months ago, and already we're pulling in 50000 a year in revenues. We're the number four distributor in Southern California. You got that one, babe. And by March, we might be number three. Don't let it go. Go is a 1999 American crime-slash-dark comedy film written by John August and directed by Doug Lehman. Um, and it stars William Fitchner, Katie Holmes, Jay Moore, Sarah Parley, Scott Wolf, and Tay Diggs. Uh, and it is certified 91% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Got three stars out of four by Roger Ebert. And Jamie, this was your pick. Yes, it was. This week. How'd so you like why it? did uh well I'm gonna ask you a question first. Why All did right, you fine. pick why did you pick this film not just because you picked the theme as well. So why did you pick you pick this film because of the film, not the theme, right? Yes. Okay. Um I first saw this movie probably like a year after it came out. What about was it two thousand came out? No, ninety nine. Ninety nine, okay. So yeah, right. Close. I think it was like sep- uh, yeah. It was pretty close. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh to like a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school, like it was before I did any. Well, I, not that I'm saying that I do drugs now. I don't, you know, <laughs> smoke a little herb, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, actually, I saw this before I saw Pulp Fiction, and I kind of fell in love. I know, like you know, the multiple storylines interconnecting, mm-hmm. like from different mm-hmm. points of views. Yeah, as we're saying, and at like the end it was the first movie I've ever saw that actually did that, and it really right. was. And plus, it was like high energy, and just like I thought it was hilarious at the time. And apparently, my friends thought that I reminded them of a character in the movie, Manny. Oh, Manny, yeah. For like in high school, though, because I was kind of a weirdo, I guess, yeah. and I had like the hair <laughs> like his, and like. Well, I definitely felt like, especially that the beginning three characters, because basically, yeah, you have uh, I would say three character arcs that center on uh, three different sets of characters. You have the arc with the grocery store kids, 
you have the arc with the British guy and his friends in Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. you have the arc with the soap opera actor boyfriends yep. who are uh, being forced to be undercover cops. So you have – you get to – it's very – it's like why I brought up Rashomon before. It's like seeing not – I wouldn't say the same story from three different viewpoints, but the same night, the same Yeah, but they events. do have a connection. Right, because they're all intertwined. At some point. Mm-hmm. It's not like – that they're, all the stories are important to each other, no, but exactly. they have a certain connection. Yeah, like, each, at some point. Well, yeah, because they're since they're all happening in uh, a group of friends. Well, well it they're, starts they're all happening the, chronologically at the same time, so you keep going back to the same moment when yes. the film starts, basically. And even the way, the, technically, the way that the film starts is at the end, because the first thing you see is Katie Holmes. It, talking to the drug dealer yes. which is the last scene yeah. in the movie so exactly. you get yeah. you get this this very uh and it, it, pulp fiction is another great example i think this movie most likely took a lot from or was inspired a lot by yeah. what tarantino was doing in that movie um and was no, just going for a non-linear plot structure and i think that is what's really cool about it but yeah. what i was gonna say earlier about that was first three characters um our uh, grocery store <laughs> friends and Manny uh, is that they reminded me of like, it brought me back to those days of like being like a high school kid slash early college with like no job or I'm crappy saying. job. What, and, yeah. This movie kind of has a very nostalgic kind of place. Cause when I first saw it, it was like, mm-hmm. you know, well, and it's, it's like dazed and confused, but for, what we would have lived through as opposed, you yes. know, even though I think it, I mean, obviously it takes place a little bit before, cause I think it's supposed to, you know, it takes place in 1999. So at that point I would have been 13, 12 or 13 years old in 1999. <laughs> so, um, we're still a few years later, but it's right. It's in that same wheelhouse. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So we're like, we, un- we, we lived more through that era. Um, and so like, yeah, the car with the fucking Christmas lights on it and trying to get drugs, going to different people to get drugs. The, the amount of danger that was still associated with even buying weed in those days. There's a lot of stuff that like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the best, the best thing about the film is actually the performances in it. It, uh, it has, I would say a group of at the time, not a-list actors um and does an amazing job with them yeah i gotta say the only one i ever like that i recognized right off the bat was katie holmes like when i first saw it i'm like oh yeah she was i would say katie holmes scott wolf jay moore and uh i mean they're all recognizable but really those i'm talking back when i first came uh, right but i'm seeing even at that time those were probably your three biggest stars Okay, yeah. You know, because I can't even, I really can't think of somebody in the movie. You know, maybe Tay Diggs. He yeah. was pretty big at the time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but, like, it, the, they're all they're all recognizable. It has a very, like, a very good cast. But I think it's one of those movies that benefits from them all not being bigger stars. Yeah. Yet, you not, know? <laughs> they weren't all household names mm-hmm. or anything. It was mm-hmm. just, like. They weren't. You didn't expect anything from them, right? Like to be a certain way. One of the things I also remember well, remember about this film was when it came out. Like I said, I was like twelve or thirteen, and it was a movie I was not allowed to watch mm-hmm. when I was that age. My mom. Wait, knew. you're older than me. Yeah, I'm thirty-two. 
No, I'm 32. Well, anyways. Yeah. Uh, but no, but I, I was... It. Well, I'm saying uh, in 1999... That I was three that I saw it then. Junior in high yeah. school. So I was like 15, 16. Uh, probably 15. Yep. I just remember its existence and wanting to see it and not being allowed to. But around the yeah. same time, I wanted to see movies like Memento and Pulp Fiction and shit like that. Yeah. So it was just one of those. And I'm, I don't think my parents owned this one. But I do remember seeing it at the uh, at Express Video, which I always I always have to bring up this. I've brought it up on a couple episodes now. Express Video in Newburyport, Massachusetts was this awesome video store um, back when those still existed. They have VHS and DVD, and I used to spend hours and hours of my life there just renting stuff and browsing the shelves. So, like, a lot of movies like this, I re- you'll tell me a movie. Like, you mentioned Go to me yeah. and the first thing i think of is you can see it right here on my computer screen that poster her oh, holding yeah, up the like go, go thing. like i remember seeing that poster <laughs> up on the wall in 1999 when it first came up you know what i yeah. mean shit like that so I, I have a lot of memories that are all based on that and this is one of those weird movies where like i think i saw parts of it once mm-hmm. like i remember parts of it but i'm not sure if that's just like the pop culture thing where like you saw it I saw it on, like, I Love the 90s or something like that. Yeah. So I've seen a scene from it, but not the whole movie. Um, but regardless of all that, I think this movie is really good. It definitely deserves the, the sort of cult classic uh, or cult status that it has yeah. as a film. Um, and I would definitely, definitely recommend it to people and go watch it again. It's going to be tough for me to choose between this and 24-hour party people, honestly, because I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I mean, I just... Yeah, the multiple storylines, um, the com- like the comedy in it was actually like, it took me like, when I first saw it, and like it took me like six more years for me to see it again for the second time, mm-hmm. and I got the jokes a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this is okay. I forgot how funny this. Well, it's was. one of those interesting movies that it's so it's it's funny because it it, it was I felt a little bit of the same while watching the next movie, um, this is the end where there there that one was way more straight comedy, but there was a lot of that. Uh, keeping you on edge sort of stuff and actually both those movies feature a very similar scene where someone is playing with a loaded gun oh, yeah. and simon. everybody's like whoa put it down yeah simon does it and then it happens with james franco and uh what's his face there ja- uh, jonah hill and this is the end yeah, there's a scene where they're yeah. playing with a gun which turns out to be blanks but still like everybody thinks it's loaded and they're all like and it puts you on edge like dude put the fucking gun down like it, it's a movie that makes you forget that it's a comedy because of the subject matter you know drugs and criminals and and the dangerous stuff um one of my particular favorite scenes is where he's having sex with the two women in the hotel room and then oh yeah the hotel room catches fire (laughs) like that whole scene and then they're being also like they get up getting chased by the fucking guys from the strip club and like after the lap dance yep hands yep so just uh shooting the dude yeah yeah also like uh, quick uh Go ahead. I'll just do like a quick fucking plot thing right now. Like, yeah, if you want to. Um, so the movie starts with the you know, obviously the supermarket that starts the day after it all happens. Right. And uh, anyways, uh, first storyline. Why am I blanking on her name? Who? The uh, actress. The main. Yeah, the main. Uh, Rana. Yeah. 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 Her. Her and uh, Katie Holmes. I don't even. I forget her name too. And Manny. Yeah. I'm just gonna call <laughs> her Katie Holmes because <laughs> like I said, yeah, she's perfect. the major. And um, so. She is trying to no. She's approached by two, who we find out are not cops. Obviously, you've right. seen the they movie. They seem like should, cops. You shouldn't be listening to this. Ba- if you basically, seen it. I think it's yeah. We could actually. I think we can actually just tell it 
yeah. from a chronological standpoint. And yep. just so basically, yeah, you have two guys who are buying want to buy drugs from, and they're they're trying to get it from Simon. Right. And but he's and already he's left. He's already left. And but they're trying to buy drugs specifically because they were busted for possession and now they're rats for the cops. Yeah. So they're wearing it's you find undercover. out as you yeah. find out in their story, which is the third story, they're wearing a wire while they're talking to her yes. and everything. And later, which becomes important. But so yes, they, they so, find her Lana working and they hint around like oh there's a lot of orange juice or whatever and like oh we got something to go for this or like Right. She's like, oh, he's not around, but like, maybe I can get you some. So she knows a guy, whatever. Yeah, food. she knows the guy who sells ecstasy yeah. to. But Simon. he doesn't know her. He knows her, but not well. He's yeah, he's met her before because she. I I don't know if she actually says that, but it seemed like they have like met. Like he's definitely seen her once before. Like knows of her or something. Yeah, just like yeah. He's a drug dealer. He's right, like, right. He everybody, knows like exactly. everybody. Whatever. He's buying the ecstasy. So he, she did something. Yeah, so like she goes to his place to try to you know convince mm-hmm. him whatever to trust her or whatever. And she does a weird thing. She leaves her friend hostage, Katie well, Holmes yeah. hostage with. Yeah. Well, as no, as collateral, not hostage, but like basically yeah. collateral and not collateral. Collateral. Yep. That's a new drug. Well, then and then you have another interesting scene because I uh, so now. Technically, if we're going to do a chronological, we've got backtrack a sec here. So while all that's going on, Simon is in Las Vegas partying, yep. uh, uh, ends up going, uh, well, ends up almost burning his hotel room mm-hmm. down, uh, goes to a strip club with Tay Diggs, uh, grabs one of the ladies, even though he's told not to, and ends up shooting the fucking bouncer, who's also the son of this well, don't guy. Don't forget about the car. Oh, yeah, 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 true. How they, they got steal, the gun in the first place. They, that's true, right. They steal a car when they're leaving the, the hotel casino because a guy thinks everybody – there's a running joke that everybody thinks Tay Diggs works at the casinos. Because the um, suit. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's wearing like a mustard yellow jacket yeah. that uh, Simon makes fun of him for. But, yeah, so then they get a gun. He ends up bringing the gun into a strip club. He shoots this guy. They go on the run, and the guys are chasing them down. Mm-hmm. While that's also happening – they're setting up Rhonda, or Rana. Rana realizes she's being set up, goes to the bathroom, flushes the drugs, replaces the drugs with, with fucking Advil, or, Advil pills, basically. Yeah. yeah, steals a bunch of pills from a CVS, and then. Oh, wait, actually, we missed the, the name of the movie that was mentioned because they actually mentioned the name. Oh of the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. When yeah, which yeah, you find out near the end that when she was one of the undercover boyfriend actors. Yeah, he walked when, up to her and said, go. like, whispered in her go because yeah. he obviously felt bad for her. Right. Just, well, he 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 because they all they both seemed to be kind of like not okay with it. Yeah. And then I think when they saw like when they really thought about what was going to happen, he was just like, I can't do this. Because they, they and, and I I love those two characters. I think you mentioned that too. Yeah, definitely. Um, they're they're probably my favorite too. And I think what's also really great about them is that it's uh for 1999 especially, um, it's a movie that totally normalizes a gay couple. Like, there's the like there's the scene where the cop is asking him about his girlfriend, and then they start fighting. Like I that was when I it dawned on me. Like it's that scene when that... he. Especially when Scott Wolf came back and he was like, "Oh, really?" to something that he said, I was like, yeah. "Oh shit!" Like that didn't dawn on me before, and so it fits not only in the time frame of like you know they're kind of just being like, "Yeah, no, we're just best buddies," you know, they yeah. don't really want to be like open about it, but they are openly gay, but they're trying to hide it from this guy because they just don't want to piss this guy yeah, off, of and they just want to yeah. get done with this and get through it, um, because. They were, bu- to again, go back to the beginning, they were busted for possession and are mm-hmm. now rats. 
so they're like we said wired um and i think it's funny because the movie actually gives you little hints sometimes to things that are happening later one of them was when you are essentially kind of being told about people being wearing wires in the scene where the drug dealer has her take off her shirt and turn around yep. so that he can see that she's not wearing a wire because what if because she asked him to buy drugs and he's like okay are you a fucking cop yeah, basically exactly. yeah. so basically the that describe and then you know to kind of they go to this big massive rave everybody meets up at this well, rave. i forgot that manny ate some of the drugs yes, too manny, and he's he's rolling right. his ass well because yes yeah, so manny eats some of the drugs and she gives fake pills back to the drug dealer yes. he figures it out by looking at some real ecstasy and and goes after her and he's pissed. so they all go to this this massive rave in a xxx rave or like yeah X- it's like an xmas it's because this is a Christmas movie. Play on words like ecstasy. This yeah, is a yeah. this is it's less. It is a Christmas movie. That's yeah. What I was... Yeah, it's it's not in the sense I would. It's one of those that I would say okay, it is a movie that takes place on Christmas, but I would not designate it a Christmas movie like say Gremlins or Die Hard, just because the movie isn't as much about Christmas, but it's damn it just close. Takes place like... Because there are parts like there's a part where one of the characters is like it's Christmas or something like so there it, there's like always these call the drug dealers always wearing the Santa hat right and the, the Santa hat and the Xmas rave right and the, the lights on the car like yeah there are a bunch of call like callouts to it so I will say that but basically they meet up at this big rave mm-hmm. um and all three plot lines kind of come together because so kind of again backtrack at the strip club. So the reason why he's staying in this nice hotel with his friend Simon, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, in Vegas the... is because he was given the credit card. Which this is one of my problems with the movie. Okay, and it's not how it happens in the movie. It's more of just a why the fuck would a drug dealer give Simon of all people his credit card? From what you see of Simon in the movie. He is not like like that is who he who he is is the guy Didn't who always it? does he say no because he says remember he says oh he gave it to me we're just using it to get a nice like it's like a it's like a I think it's supposed to be like a it's like a hotel credit card I thought he was lying I think he stole it I think he missed uh, maybe the, the part where like he was pissed at Simon because he had a credit card or something maybe yeah but it's remember it's because okay this is how I saw it as. Simon was given the credit card because there's a scene where they're in the, the casino and he's like giving them the credit card and they're like, wait, you're using a drug dealer's credit card? And he's like, yeah, he gave it to me. So he, he comes down here all the time. Like, I thought that was genuine. Huh. I think if they, I don't think he stole it because if I think he did, they would have shown something that he did that. Maybe they, they did. did. I, Maybe I they, they did. did. But I, I, I didn't, I don't remember seeing that. I remember it as that he had been given it, which I thought was like, that's kind of silly. And then weird because the guy weird. trusted him not to be an idiot. And then of course he's an idiot. Yeah, but he's gives the credit card, which leads them back. So now the bad guys come to find him, but who they're looking for is the drug dealer, the drug mm-hmm. dealer who has now at the end of the movie started to get, and actually we're because the movie, we kind of have to skip around and tell a story. Yeah, so we'll save that for a sec. So basically Rana is at, the, the, the rave pub, the rave right gets separated from her friends she takes a bunch of she gets she says hey i got the same idea and this is now going back to oh the yeah and she's like basically. starts selling the she sells the, a bunch of the the pills. tylenol or Advil yep. or whatever it is and as, tricks as, a bunch tricks. of kids who are already high it, man yeah, and then remember she it's, says one of her other favorite lines she's like you gotta smoke like a lot a lot of pot. Like, like a really lot of like pot. a lot of pot yeah that was great 
And so, um, yeah, so she's made, like, a bunch yeah. of money. And the drug dealer... Drug dealer comes back with his gun. Finds out. He's, like... Well, he, he sees one of the dude that's, like, fucking tripping out or whatever. They still need, like, uh, Advil yeah. or whatever. And yep. she's like, yep. oh, okay. No, 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 it's not even that. The kid says, like, he... Because she says the same thing that the drug dealer said to her. He, she's like, oh, yeah, that's and right. And the kid repeats yeah. it. He's like, yeah, it was pharmaceutical-grade was... stuff. The blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, it's the same line that the drug yeah. dealer said to her. That's so the tip So he off. knows that it's Rana. Right. And so, uh, yeah, he finds her in the parking lot. He's chasing her. He's going to kill her until she gets hit by a car, which at the end of the movie you find out is being driven by the no, two boyfriends, Jay Moore yep. and Scott Wolf, who have also decided to deal with the fact that they both have found out they're – they both cheated on each other with the same guy and by finding the guy at that same Jimmy. party. Jimmy, yeah. yeah. So every, all three storylines now have come together at the end. Rana is hit by them. Uh, Manny have, starts freaking out, right. by the way. He's, like, foaming at the mouth. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, having yeah. An OD. Yep, yep. He, like, she, she just stuffs him behind some trash cans. Exactly. exactly. And also because they had the line where he's like, he's like, if you give someone two, they're going to be frying an egg off in their head yeah. or something. You know, so yeah, something. He had, that's, you're established that. And then two seconds later, you see Manny take two of them. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. I thought he took three. He's like, maybe, but I'm pretty sure he took exactly. Because I remember he had at least, you know, it, it's definitely oh, yeah, more than one, yeah. you know. More than it, recommended. Yeah. And... So, uh, and then we have our finale where, um, friend uh, Katie Holmes can't find her two friends in the morning she yeah. ends up running into the drug dealer at a diner um they start having sex in his on the staircase in the stairs of his like apartment building yeah and then the two guys find him he uh, Simon yep comes back but all but before that he is basically like this is where he lives this is his name everything mm-hmm. he sells him out Simon comes back they are like, what the... Katie Holmes is like, you guys are all stupid. What the hell do you want? And they decide they're going to shoot Simon in the arm. And basically it ends with Katie Holmes meeting back up with her friend and them going and finding Manny. And the line you texted me... The, oh, yeah. That's... What are we doing for New Year's? So... Setting up the never-made sequel. Go to. Go, go to. again. <laughs> go again. Keep um, going. So, yeah. My overall thought is up. I really enjoyed this movie. And I'm glad that you brought it to the table because it's a movie that I probably just wouldn't have watched um, unless you had mentioned it. So I was saving it when you mentioned it to me a couple months ago, and I was saving it until we could have you be on the podcast as a guest. And Appreciate it. So, yeah. I stand behind it. So uh, that's about wraps up that movie. So uh, we're going to take one more quick break. Well, not one more, but another quick break here and uh, get into This is the End. Sam! <laughs> I have the best weekend ever planned. James Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> yes! Everybody drunk out. Oh my god, if I don't fuck Michael Sarah tonight, I'm gonna blow my brains out. What's up, Rihanna? What? Fucking pale, 110 pounds, hairless, probably has a huge cock. Don't fucking touch my bump, yeah. bitch. Yeah. Oh, a weird face. So hot. Everybody in the club Oh, what did you just fucking blow on me? Don't worry, it's just heroin. Are you shitting me? No, I'm just kidding, it's cocaine. But that's still very bad. Get the fuck off of me, a thief! Ow! 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 
County Sheriff's Office is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Siegel's dead, Krumholz is dead, Michael Sarah's dead. In the bed? Already going crazy out there, guys. I'm not leaving, okay? I'm a victim. When I was a kid, I had man titties. The bullies held me down. They titty fucked me. We are actors. We pretend to be hard, man. Yeah, we solved this baby shit. Helicopter, it's gonna be fine. <laughs> oh, you okay? No, I'm not okay. Fuck your house, Franco. What's she got to say? We should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food and shit we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, half ounce sour diesel, one ounce of shrooms, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my game. All right, so this is the end. Is a fantasy action movie. Uh, I'd actually call it fantasy action comedy. I'd say more um, Yeah, from 2013. Uh, it stars James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Jay Boucherell, Danny McBride, uh, Craig Robinson, and a bunch of other celebrities, including Rihanna, Kevin Hart, uh, Michael Sarah. And Everyone from the, tons of people. the Judd Apatow universe also. I yeah, guess. pretty much it's the Judd Apatow universe. Uh, the film was written by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, produced by Seth Rogen, and directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Oh, so, wow. That's a surprise. Yes. Um, and it is all these characters playing themselves. Um, everyone, I'm pretty sure every character in the movie... Uh, other than demons, which don't really count, I guess, as characters, is a mm. Hollywood actor playing or, or an exaggerated of version of themselves. Yes, um, yeah, a stereotypical version of themselves. Uh, been uh, like... Maybe stereotypical or or a little bit like it's. I think it's a, a highly characterized, somewhat based on what I think public perception is. That's what or, I'm saying. Like they're, they're yeah. taking the, the perception that they. Uh, that they get and just kind of rolling with it, kind of making fun of themselves from right. if they weren't of themselves. Right. Like, well, and it's it's also, you know, it's based on the fact that uh, Jay Boucherell and Seth Rogen were friends before Yeah. Seth Rogen and him, especially before Seth became famous, um, and that they, they uh, have grown apart, but they're still, like, really good old friends. Yeah, for the, for the what little story they actually have right it's there somewhere speckled throughout but but i kind of like that about it that at, at the heart of it it wasn't as much about the bigger stars i mean i know seth rogan's a pretty big star but it was really i feel like the actual main character of the film was jay and and or he was no, the re- I, he was the he relatable was, actually one. he he's the only one that's not a caricature He's the one that like you feel like you've stepped in the shoes of. He's the one who you're like, dude, I don't want to go to that dumb party either. I kind of want to just. He's hang actually out. probably being himself. I mean, I've never met him. Right, he might right. be like that in real life, but like he's the only one playing himself, and everyone else, everyone else, like maybe he. I'm surprised he didn't write it. Like as well, like he's like else the. Being... I think he fulfills the role of your everyman hero for this yeah. movie. Like he's the one who already has identified that it's the apocalypse, and no one will listen to him. So he's like the voice of the audience, the one that's like pointing out what's actually going yeah, on definitely. and no one will listen. So you're like, oh, God, guys, just listen to him. It's obviously what's happening, you know. And I think that's really established in the scene where they, him and Seth come back and he's like the blue light. And Seth's like, yep. I didn't see that. And he chooses sides. That's when you step 
completely into the shoes of Jay and realize that he's the main guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found this movie really funny. Uh, I will say I laughed pretty it's, genuinely at a bunch of parts in it. Um, it's fun. Yeah. it's And it's got, like, I'm not, it's funny. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of uh, what's his name, uh, James Franco when he does serious acting. I love him I like when him. he does comedy. I think he's he has way better comedic timing. I mean, he's fine as a. I in, do agree that he has he's better as a comedian yeah. than a, like a dramatic, like serious actor. But I I I think he does well at both. Right. I I think in this movie, it's he's a really interesting character that, and and I think uh, him, Danny McBride, and uh, Jonah Hill are are like the the real epitome of what they're doing with this in the film. Yeah. They are like extremes of a character like you would what you would imagine from the characters danny mcbride plays is that he is very similar to one of his characters so that's what danny mcbride in this movie is he's like one of his characters you know and jonah hill is almost like he's like what you would imagine what i think what they imagine people think jonah hill that's is what like. i'm saying like he they're taking their perceptions and just right like, playing right. what they think other people and, think of themselves. And same thing with James Franco. Like, and I think his yeah. introduction, especially... The art where, and the, the one right. and the hippiness. And him, and the, him not knowing Jay's name when he first sees him. Yeah. And calling him Johnny. Too important. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm better than this. Yep, and he's building this massive house, and, and he hides the... He's hiding food from them and shit. Like, so it, it's... It's more important. Yeah. Right. It's a very interesting movie, um, and really funny, and has like some great moments uh i think probably the michael Sarah character really takes the movie over he's probably the most extreme yeah. version of what they're doing with that him being turned into a complete piece of shit cokehead asshole and <laughs> then gets killed almost immediately. immediately by a fucking telephone pole that goes yeah. impales him um and uh, yeah, it was just very interesting to him playing the. Ex- he, that is completely, as I'm sure you can guess, that is complete antithesis of what Michael Sarah actually is as a person. <laughs> like I said, I don't know these people, but I feel like I really do. If I just kind of turn down one notch of everybody how they're playing themselves, so I think, yeah, I, I think I get how Michael Sarah really could be. Right. I think this this movie and really uh, too. It but. really knows its beats. Like the scene where they brought the super bad crew back together with Sarah yeah, McLovin just, just and a, a, and uh, Jonah Hill. I, w- I would almost have said Easter egg, but it's not an Easter egg. You don't have to find right, it. Right, but there it's, in front it's of a bit of it's a shout out. Yeah, it it, it which is also another contender. And you know, they, they obviously they comment and then make a sequel to Pineapple Express. They comment yeah, on just, oh, their work. Yeah, you know, he has the um, oh, I forget what it was. He has one of the props from. Uh, 127 hours he has the gun yep. from another movie he mm-hmm. has like all the props in his basement and stuff like so there there's all these shout outs to their different work i know there's another one too where someone like it's a couple scenes where someone like comments on a bad movie someone was in and like makes fun of them yeah that was um i think it was danny mcbride making fun of somebody it's like it wasn't craig robinson was it? no but regardless, it yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just very self-referential. So, like, I think for fans of what do you guess you saw the you know the Seth Rogen, <laughs> Judd Apatow as you call it universe, just that greater 
group of people who have all worked together in d- different films in different yeah. capacities. Um, if you're really into those films, then you'll love this movie mm. because it definitely plays fan service to people who are into those. Like, I like Craig Robinson a lot, as I think I've mentioned a couple times. Um, yeah. So I'm cool with him being in the movie. Uh, I don't really have that like positive or negative impression of like most of the other actors in it. I love Danny McBride. Um, so nah, he's good. In, yeah, and uh, I think he steals the movie. He's the one that made me laugh. He's actually a really good serious actor too. Like he can. Yeah, he's got some range on him. Um, he's actually yeah he's in the now in the my movies better heavy hitters because he was also in uh, the movie Alien Covenant, which we covered. Oh, I haven't seen that in a serious role. Yeah, that's uh he was also did he direct or he did something with the new Halloween movie? I don't remember how I, he was involved with sure. the new Halloween movie too. Um, I can't remember. He didn't direct it. I don't think. Maybe he did, but, but you I'm gonna correct like, myself. Like that, like to being serious, to being the movie. Yeah. Like you know, universe is just about like dick jokes, and no, right. it's not just about dick jokes. Like I said, there is some story. But they're really well crafted dick jokes. Yeah. Like, like the coming, of, the coming scene coming, where he's like where of, they're yelling like, at each I feel other. Like Twenty minutes of the movie about just coming on. And it's a brilliantly done scene. Like, and it's again knowing what actors you have and giving them the right material, and they gave. Danny McBride, some of the best material to work with, and he just went to town with it, and and it's amazing. And like I lo- that scene, the one with the um, where he's like in the tux and he's telling him he's leaving, and then just takes the gun oh, and tries yeah. to shoot all of them. Like that is just he knows that's material that is tailor written for someone. That's how you know all these guys are really good friends. They know each other well. There's in jokes that only they get. Like there's, I believe that part of making fun of each of them is something that is about it's, it's about them being friends like making yeah, they, making jonah they hill act close, that way like, yeah by making fun of each other be like yeah. hey now we're gonna have jonah hill get basically you know raped by a yeah. demon yeah. <laughs> and then impregnated with an evil demon seed and like you can tell that like there there's stuff like that, Rob, you mentioned earlier about the, the how we okay, always had the a towel, towel. The towel. That's my favorite part of the movie. Honestly, is that Craig Robinson's towel is on his shoulder the whole time, and it's definitely like them making fun of something that he actually is. Kind of something that's like yeah. exaggerating I didn't something even about. Remember him. that until you said that earlier, yep. and like then I just like he really did have a towel on his shoulder yep. almost the entire movie. Well, because at one point, right around the time where every where the ground opens up and Kevin Hart and Aziz Ansari and all these other people die in in Rihanna, they all die in the fucking hole in the ground. And then it, it cuts our cast down to just our, what, five? Technically six. six but yeah. at first, you only see five of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's when I started laughing the hardest, because it was, like, right after. It was, like, when he goes over to be, like, we're going to board up all the windows. That's when I'm, like, he still has the towel on. And I started dying laughing, because I was, like, that ju- the, it's it's a detail that's really a really good little joke. It, it has to be on purpose, too. Oh, it's totally on purpose. Wonder, yeah, definitely. I wonder if anyone's going to get Like I'm saying, I think it's a joke, like, specifically about Craig Robinson like he dresses like that so they're like making fun of him yeah you know but it's something that's how you make fun of your friends you know you you make fun of like how they really are like maybe um Jonah Hill's like really too nice to people like that and it's weird so they're making fun of how he's like that you know like I'm thinking like honestly I think that's kind of healthy in a way because like you it encourages you to be yourself because everyone's like because then like what the day comes where you're not being made fun of and it's like oh I'm gonna do something wrong right like they still my friends, like, right? But it's like, oh, it allows you to be yourself because it's like you're all having fun. With exactly, them. exactly. And I think all be, I mean, they've all worked together so much that like I think a lot of the stuff is made 
for the movie or maybe it's like based on something Seth and Jay really went through like years ago like when Knocked Up came out and Seth was was uh you know shot to superstardom all of a sudden yeah um but because I don't think like that Jay and and uh and Jonah Hill hate each other or that like um no, that, that was probably just a little. Yeah, no, it's thing added to add, to, yeah. to add storylines to the movie. Same thing with James Franco being so aloof to all of them. Like, they're all good friends that work together all the time. It's, yeah, you know? so they're they're Speaking they know of exaggeration, each other. Like big fish, like almost like exaggerating right, who they really right. are and like how they really treat each right. other. And like, well, they probably do. So yeah, and so like. but this one also, I have to say, it's it's ecstasy, a little bit yeah. on like I would say this kind of fits into what people were saying when we to go back in time covered uh, Princess Bride on the Revenge episode. Even though this movie, out of the the three we've watched, this movie is one of the two that has a party in it. I mean, I guess there technically is parties in Twenty Four Hour Party People, but it's not like a centerpiece like a party. So yeah. Go is a party movie and has a party in it. This one has a party in it, but I don't necessarily think it really is like a party movie. I think it. I think just because it has a party in it and it's it has I've aspects seen it, of it, and I've seen it at two p- different parties in the background because you True. can watch it at a party and it has a party in it. Right. I think it, it's a it's a good qualifier for. But it's like I, I would have considered uh, it, honestly for in in the same. Uh, universe super bad super bad yeah I that would be more what yeah. or another one that i've never seen is a uh, project that's X. just literally party hopping right it's kind of like i was thinking it like this um if and this is it, it, the party thing i think is more central to this movie so that's why i think it's totally cool that it's on this this list as a party movie but it's kind of s- close to being more like how there's a party in the middle of Amer- uh, almost famous that they oh, go yeah. to yeah. but that movie I don't consider it like partying like 24 hour party people is because of the particular scene and music and the amount of and rave culture being a central theme in a movie so yeah. it's like I kind of find this movie I'd more classify as an apocalyptic post-apocalyptic movie um, because I think a, a majority yeah. of the movie is that a post-apocalyptic co- it, comedy it's centered around that rather right. than just you know like, for instance, another movie that uh, – it's what I call the Deep Impact Effect. Another movie that came out right at the same time as this, like with Deep Impact and Armageddon, is uh, that movie with uh, – actually mentioned him earlier, Simon Pegg. Um, I'm going to have to look it up real quick. Uh, the World's End, which is a movie that came out in 2013. Um, and it is the, uh, the Simon Pegg – Nick Frost, the same guys did Hut Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. It's that group of actors, you know. And um, it's also oh, about see that. it's I, about a I've group of friends it, yeah. who meet up for the first time, and then there's like an alien invasion. So uh, that would be a movie that I think it's more in these. It's more in line with that. So I wouldn't consider that a party movie. I know this again. This movie has a major party, has a pretty good sized party scene, that is about ten percent of the movie. Whereas the rest of it mm. is, and I don't want to split hairs on this, Obviously, because yeah. I think that basically the fact that the party is the motivating factor for where, why they are where they are is important enough. 
but it's and also because you can kind of play it in the background of a party. Yeah, true. It, it true. at least gets an extra ten percent. So twenty percent. Yeah, the movie itself. I think all their movies have that quality though. This one to the extreme of that, but like I feel like Pineapple Super Bad would have been a better choice. I definitely. Think I wouldn't. Super I wouldn't even have. Because Super Bad is Pineapple about Express. is about the party itself. You the, know what the, I mean? The parties. The parties. Because it just keeps going from yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I mean, uh, like Pineapple Express, I wouldn't consider part. Of, there's no parties no, in that no. movie. It's just but like, but um, I think that like Super Bad and Go are more similar. In that mm-hmm. way, because it's about like crazy, it's a, a night. crazy night movie. It's an, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so this one is also, and I think that maybe that's what's so cool about it is that it's a very unique film in all respects, not just from the, a bunch of actors playing themselves to the apocalypse happening in the middle of a party movie. Like it's, there a, are it's some a novelty movie, I, totally. I would say. Like yeah, it's fan servicey. It's it's funny, but it's funny it's because enjoyable. It's, it's yeah, fun. if you don't know anything about American pop culture and celebrity culture, you're gonna have less of a fun you're time. You're gonna have watching. the worst time. Right. Like you're gonna be at a horrible party. If you don't know who Kevin Hart and Rihanna no are, one invited you to the party. Yeah. But yeah, so I I enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys picked it, honestly, because I will say, in all honesty, I had some apprehension about it. I'm not um, the biggest fan of Seth Rogen's comedy, um, and like. It's like I like, I enjoyed Pineapple Express, Knocked Up as much as I can, but they're just not my, they're not my movies, you know? Yeah. I like when Judd Apatow does movies with those guys because I think he's a pretty, he's a better comedy director, but even him is not, it's just not my cup of tea, not my, my type of comedy movie. Um, 24-Hour Party People is more my type of comedy movie. Mm. So, but I am super glad I watched it because I was apprehensive about it, and then I laughed my ass off. So, like, how can I say I don't like it? I of course I like it. Like, like I was apprehensive yeah. to watch Twenty Four Hour Party People, and like, not apprehensive. I was putting it off a little bit because I like yeah. I watched. To be honest, I watched like the first two minutes. And I'm like, what the hell am I getting into? But to be fair, obviously, I had a poor quality version. And I'm like, wait, is this actually filmed in like yeah. the late seventies or? But yeah, then, but like, that I, happens, man. It's tough watching all these movies every week and. Even just watching three movies that you've never seen, and if you don't know anything about it, you don't know if you're going to enjoy it. And there's not, but then I'm. It's not like I something that you're necessarily and I dro- drawn in by. Good. You know, hmm. it's not like this movie had like, uh, you know, if it was about like like a, it was like a sci-fi movie uh, with like aliens and like, or was like a '80s m- movie about like the 1980s, um, like like a action movie type yeah. thing like i'd be more drawn into something like that because that's my wheelhouse you know if i if it was about a party and then they had been attacked by like kaiju monsters like godzilla and stuff i'd be like all right i'm gonna watch that just because i love kaiju but <laughs> it did it's it just you know from the first time i heard about it i was like oh so it's a movie where the apocalypse happens and it's like a god apocalypse went and I'm, that's just not my like thing really you know i like if it's gonna be a movie about like religious crazy stuff like that, I like like movies like Stigmata, or um, or Constantine or something like that. That are more Const- like about the mythology. Yeah, I love that movie, dude. I've I've seen like twenty minutes of it when I used to play on TNT. Dude, it's all the good, time. man. You know the guy who plays the the creepy Russian dude who kills Steve Buscemi in Fargo. That uh, actor? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that dude is. Uh, is in it um yeah it's really good i highly recommend it uh it's he's uh satan actually in that movie and he's fantastic 
Um, it's a brief scene, but it's really good. And there's also it's a couple other pretty good actors in it. But it's one of those movies that like knows it has Keanu Reeves and does. It's like how The Matrix or Bill and Ted, like those are the movies that mm. used Keanu or even John Wick that used Keanu Reeves the right way. You know what I mean? Because he only he has a limited range, so you he have does. to stay he's in very, that range. It's yeah. very narrow. But when he's in that, he's great. Yeah, That's absolutely. Thing, you hey, know, dude, uh, what, what do you think? It's, did, did did they use him right in Speed? Oh uh, yeah, I actually like Speed a yeah, lot. Yeah, me too. Okay, I actually great answer. One one of the <laughs> biggest biggest uh, things I wish I could change about history is him Not coming for the Matrix. No, them coming back together for Speed Two. The fact that he's oh, not in Speed 2 yeah. is, ruins that movie. I mean, the movie itself is ridiculous in general, but if he yeah, was in it, it would have like... been it would have been better, I think. It would have continued their story. and and But like, yeah, no, Speed is fantastic. The first movie, yeah, the first Speed was like very... It's, it could happen. It's like, one of those it, movies that... Plausibly, like... It could, yeah. In, in the 1996 universe. But it's also like... just over the top enough to be like one of those movies that really uh epitomizes the style of films at that time you know what i mean yeah. like like the ridiculousness with the action music of the the fading guitar like it's kind of the same reason why i love die hard man because die hard is so over the top but still feels like it kind of could happen it's like just over the top enough yeah. to be an action movie but still like tries to remain in the realm of like somewhat believable situations you know so and i think that movies like that do did did really well at that time you know and, and I also again they're all just movies like oh yeah can, if you can imagine like i don't know like star wars or something it's a movie right like right that's way outside of like anything we can you know but if you can imagine also, a bus that can't go less than 50 miles because, an hour because it'll explode, then you can imagine a goddamn Death Star. Right, like, right. But it's also because <coughs> it's a movie. even the best fantasy and sci-fi movies draw from things that are human, even if it has aliens in it. Like, yes. Al- Alien is one of the most human movies. The first one, is particular, particularly. It's one of the most human movies ever, even though it's called Alien. You barely see the alien. The alien you know, isn't what's important. It's human uh, fear, you know? That's why I like Signs. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of his movies, but that one I do enjoy. Signs is like, you'd think it'd be sci-fi and aliens and everything, but it's just, no. It's, well, it's more, it's about, it's we don't again, have to get into yeah, the different. But it's once again, with his movies, his, it's, it's, there are movies that are, that you can't watch a second time without realizing how silly they are that's the problem i've had with like every single one of his movies even the ones that are good like you watch the sixth sense again and you start to notice more like major holes and it it just keeps getting worse and worse as his films went on dude i've seen signs over 20 times yeah i can't i mean other than little tiny little like editing mistakes or anything i like i just like you don't, don't think get, it's a little not gonna, like i'm not gonna that... add a fourth movie to this episode, yeah no, i know i so. know but you don't you think it's a little silly that water kills the aliens yes absolutely <laughs> that is the one big thing but we don't and need that's to... like the main twist though and that's his biggest problem is ever si- okay so this is the last thing i'm gonna say about his movies on this episode um he, water in the he came up with one movie that had a great twist and then he thought he had to do that in every movie and that's dumb, and he shouldn't have done that. Have you ever seen Lady in the Water? Yes. It's, so, 
oh my god, that movie is laughable, and that's why I enjoy watching it. Because hey, I didn't when say he, I like that movie. He goes <laughs> and turns around to the camera and is like, hey, it's me. And I was just like, you're fucking kidding me. I did not know that. I knew it was a good, bad movie, so that's why I was watching it. But when it revealed to me that he was one of the stars of the movie, I was like, okay, this just like <laughs> went to another level of ridiculousness that I love. So I'm like, I. it's a weird thing where I enjoy some of his movies, but... I can, like, someone can make an absolute garbage piece of shit movie, even something that's not even worth, like, laughing at right. to have fun to. And they can make a great movie, and I would never... I would never just discredit them off of a piece of shit movie. No, like, no. If they can do shit and greatness, let them just go for the greatness and just... Well, but also recognize that they can... Uh, it's wait. a weird thing, because, like, another thing about him, real quick, yeah. is that... He's n- he's never been critically acclaimed except for really The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and a little bit Signs. But for the most part, critics always don't like him. But like you look at you look at Glass right now, it's like thirty forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, but it's like in the eighties in or nineties from people who have watched it. So it's hard. I think a lot of people really enjoy his films regardless of the problems with them. Yeah, and there's more more people can watch a film and not care about mistakes that are continuity things or things that are kind of silly when you really think about them. They can just enjoy the movie for what it is. Critics have a harder time doing that. So, yeah, I think that sometimes his movies suffer from that. It's also like the feeling. Like, I love, like, I, I know, I'm not going to get back into science, but I really like the the, the, the cinematography yeah. in science. Like, just the way it just seems so... Well, I think that's another thing about this is the end. This is the end had great cinematography. Yeah, it had good special effects, but knew when to use them. Um, and it didn't like it didn't overdo it, but it also like it. It's a really well scripted movie too. I'll give. That's one of the things that Rogan does probably the best. The guy knows how to write a script really well. Like he's he's got a knack for it. So I think the way that this yeah, the all end, the yeah all the arcs and right and everything works and everything yep and like, yeah. you know how like even little things that like the Hollywood Hills being on fire oh the mountain of fire you know like the ref being thinking of yeah. things that keep coming back around that create different connections in the movie and shit like he knows how to make a movie flow really well and there is um, again I bring this up a lot on the show uh, the phone test which is how many times I pick up my phone like absent-mindedly because I'm bored in the movie all three of these movies passed the phone test with flying colors they got a zero times Damn. all three I did not check my phone at all unless I paused the movie because I wanted to look something up specifically about the movie yeah, and not, then not outside. Yeah, so I'm saying I wasn't bored it was because I was so engaged I'm like I need to check something real yeah, quick I, I dive like, deeper yeah. um but I will say about this is the end. That was the one movie that I didn't actually stop the movie at all for any reason. I just sat down. I'm pretty sure I just sat down and like watched the whole thing, and uh, for whatever that means. So it was very enjoyable. Whatever that's worth. Yeah, I really liked it. And uh, at this point, um, I really, I really think that, and I've said this a bunch of times. Me and Russ have said this on a couple different episodes. I really think this is another one where we have a really strong set of movies that have come together here. And it's really tough for me just like off the top of my head to think which one is going to be best. I 
this point. So, next, after we take one more final yeah. break, we're going to get into the deliberation. Verdict. Yes, the deliberation, the verdict, and uh, then we will say goodbye for this week. So, stick around, and uh, we'll be back after this message. Right, so welcome to the verdict this week for our party down episode. Jamie, why don't you go first and uh, give us what your picks are, what uh, order you put them in. All right, well, so I think for me in second place would be 24-hour party people. Ooh, I knew you were going to do this to me. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Like, just, hey, we're different people, right? This is, you know. It's a movie, uh, a movie, yeah. yeah this yeah. is a movie about opinions. Now, this is a podcast about opinions. Obviously, in the title, my movie's better. Na-na-na-na-na-na kind of thing. But, yep. Um, well, what's some of the reasons why you put it in y- second You know, place? I wrote a little note next to my verdict. Uh, it, it doesn't, like, I trust me. Well, first of all, let me say I gave it an 8.0 out okay, of 10. Okay, 80%. 80% B, out of 10. Yeah, B yeah, minus, yeah. I, guess I could say I don't need to use the decimals, right? But uh, not all of us are math heads. Right. Uh, so I wrote next to it a box set infomercial with a great story. A what? A box a set? A box set yeah. infomercial with a great, like, okay. true story. Interesting. Like, it was just a little funny note that I wrote. But, like, I, meaning, like, the beginning, it took, like, 20 minutes for me to actually get into it because gotcha. it was a lot of just footage of actors switching back to real uh live performances and everything mm-hmm. and like there wasn't uh, i mean like but when it, like i said when i was uh when we had the conversation about it i couldn't wait to get back to the story so it right, really had right. a good like no matter how far from the truth or how close to the truth it was as we said big fish before right it was i really enjoyed that part of it and i enjoyed the music but it was just it was a little bit too distracting from the story gotcha like, it, it makes sense th- yeah, I mean that's how I felt about it but. so what was the number three my number three was this is the end I figured so you, you clearly see what the runner up is like I'm not biased like it, it's just my opinion like I said but mm-hmm. uh, because this is the end I gave it a 7.1 71% okay only because I, I don't want to say I've outgrown certain humor or anything but i love the fact that they that they did they accepted that they're all making fun of themselves except for like the you know like uh jay with, with yeah, his yeah. last name Bushirel or something yeah, i'm not yeah. sure how it's pronounced but yeah 
like and uh, the script was well written like just like to keep like the arc and flow going the ups right. and downs and everything um it's just they spent too much time talking about cum and dicks and yeah, like yeah. it's just like I don't know. We, we well, failed to the, mention, like, like we, there's not too many of them in it, but always like weed jokes and stuff. I, I'm a, not a lot of like, stupid. It's you know? like yeah, I mean, uh, it's 2019. Uh, but then, like I was saying when we were talking about it, like that's why I'm not really like a huge fan of their stuff anyway. It's not my sort of comedy. Yeah. So I'm in the same boat there. Um, I mean, it definitely was fun. Yeah. Like I, it made me laugh a few times. And, like, even though I don't laugh all the time out loud, but I still find things funny in my head. And, like, okay, right, that's, right. That's, it's entertaining. And so that means Go is your favorite movie. Yeah, obviously. of course. How would you guess? Like, not just because it's mine. Yeah. But I really... Well, there's I, no I, shame in, in picking the movie you brought to the table. That's the whole point. You'd think it's better. Just so. out of the three, yeah. I think... And if a movie... You didn't think any of the other three mo- two movies were better than it, then that's, yeah. that's what it is, you know? And I, and I promise I didn't get it... A, give it a hundred percent yeah i gave it a 90 because there are things if well this is me making sounds now no uh even because of something you brought up that i didn't really realize and i have to double check about the the credit card thing like uh like if that's true then it is a 90 but like if it was even if it wasn't true it'd probably be like a 91 yeah but like just because it could have done some things better but like i really enjoyed it and it's very it's it's a meaningful movie to me in mm. some weird way. Yeah, not just like, and I'm trying to not be biased, but um, cool. I just felt like it held its own against the other two. Gotcha. And yeah. yeah. So my picks this week, uh, it's gonna be a little bit different. Uh, my number two. Oh, this is tough. Oh, is this is the end? But that's because number one is both. Really? Just Nanny. I, no, so yeah, this is the end of number three. It's really hard for me to pick between these two movies. Mm. I always have this problem. I like these movies for different reasons. Uh, so I'm going to go about it like this. I'm not going to do it in order, but I will. I will have a winner at the end of this statement. I really like 24-Hour Party People. It's one of my favorite movies. really like Steve Coogan, uh, Patty Constantine, a bunch of the actors that are in it. Uh, not the hugest fan of Joy Division, but I like their music. Not the hugest fan of Happy Mondays, but I like their music. And I think they're an underrated band that deserves more, more credit for the sound that they helped really create. There's a lot of bands, like Primal Scream is a good example of a band that got way bigger than them and almost sound exactly the same to me as mm. that, you know, it's so, uh, that movie's near and dear to my heart. Um, go is one of the most interesting movies I've seen recently. And it's also a very ambitious movie with a small cast and it does a lot with a little. And so yeah. I'm going to give it the nod this week. So we don't have to flip a coin on it. Mm. I'm going to agree with you on that. I think Go is probably the best movie. But my rating system is a little different. Um, I think all three of these movies, like I kind of alluded to earlier, are really close. And so for me, I would say that Go is probably like 89. Uh, and uh, uh, 24-Hour Party People is like 88.5 it's like Ooh, okay, just below it for All me right. yeah okay. 
Um, and and uh, this is the end. I'd say like eighty five. Honestly, it was way it was pretty close. Way better than I thought it was gonna be. Um, I originally, to like really be honest, I originally thought the premise was stupid. Um, I didn't really. I don't really like those movies, as I've said in, yeah. in general. Uh, and I was dreading watching it, and then I really fucking loved it. So I, I can't go lower than 80, definitely. And I'll just give it 85, because I laughed my ass off, and I enjoyed it. If you had it. fun during yeah. it, then you should, yeah. And I'm always, I've been known on this show to give every movie way too high of a score, so I'll yeah. continue doing that. Um, but yeah, so... So wait, does this mean that my movie's actually better? Your movie is actually better. Oh, damn. Yes. So, do you have a sound effect you can put in there? Or I, I do not. So, uh, you Sorry. are now the first, you're the first guest to have won. Damn. Yeah, because uh, Derek and me lost to Jurassic Park in the first guest episode. And uh, last week, the, the, um, the listeners won again with their pick of, I believe we picked Mortal Kombat as yeah, the winner yeah. last week. So, you are the first guest to have picked the winning film. And I think it's because you picked. You specifically picked a film. Not on, I don't mean you did this on purpose. You would have no way of knowing this, but you got lucky to have picked a film that like really resonated with me. And I, I think, didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the. I think it's it's uh, a film that everybody should go check out. Um, it's not. I don't necessarily think it's something groundbreaking, though. I do. I, I do think it, it's it's does something really well that a bunch of movies that came out right after it. Like uh, can't hardly wait, and um, uh, ten things I hate about you. There's a lot of yeah. e- even in another movie that I'm actually. It's I actually think it's kind of well, but there's another movie I think is kind of similar to Go in a weird way is uh, Empire Records. Yeah, it's like a different type of movie, but made uh, the same yeah, I know way. That movie. You know, it it focuses on young people as the main, you know, cast members. It has a small cast that aren't a bunch of like superstars mm-hmm. yet. Um, and it, it does a lot with a little. So I think that those things alone for me can put it up. But it, honestly, the, again, 24-hour people, party people does that too. Does a lot with a little. Bunch of people that weren't really huge stars yet who would become bigger later. Whereas This is the End is completely driven by its celebrity It's cast. already, yeah, yeah. They've already reached that right. point in their lives that they can just make fun of themselves. Exactly. Like, and I think for not... me that's what makes it lose points um but that doesn't mean it's not a good movie no so yeah no once again we have three films that are all highly recommended so go check out those films you can get all of them this week i didn't even go through saying where you could watch them so save it for right now because all of them are available on pretty much every platform uh amazon prime or amazon to buy um uh youtube itunes Voodoo, all those types of, you know, they're very, these were very, all very accessible movies. Also, if you want to, but I wouldn't suggest this, you can watch, if you have uh, Verizon or Comcast or whatever, you can watch the edited version of uh, This Is The End, which is not advisable since there is quite a bit of swearing. And we started watching yeah. it, not realizing that. And then he said, uh, "Jay said flipping something," and I was like, "No, like, no, no, not watching. I can't do that." Flipping's a red flag. When I was like, I knew a couple of scenes that were in it. I had heard about the demon scene, and I had heard about some—I don't remember what—but a couple of scenes that I was like, "Well, that's not going to be in the movie if 
this is the edited for TV 14 right. version. But yeah, so if you if you don't like swearing and and anything that's not appropriate for TV 14, you can watch it for free if you have Comcast through FFX or Verizon or whatever. But anyway, fuck those guys. We don't want to give them too much time. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're not. Yeah. Are they sponsors of you now? Like, no, no, we have no sponsors. Our sponsor is no one. I guess this week our sponsor is technically you, since you're the guest. So. Oh, well. This week, My Movie's Better was brought to you in tandem with Jamie and Storyburst. And uh, if you would like to check out Storyburst, you can get them on Apple Podcasts. Please like, share, and subscribe to us and them yeah. uh, you can also get it on pretty much everywhere you can get podcasts yeah. Google Play Music yeah. uh, Podcast Addict you're sort of on a break yeah, right yeah. now but taking a little uh, doing a little bit rebranding gonna probably be back like late spring nice yeah but it's a uh, good show it's not a, I don't think it, it's, I wouldn't classify it as a show that you couldn't go back and listen to other episodes because it's not you know it's not based on it's kind of like how what we do here we're not doing something that's you need to listen to it because we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff that's yeah, happening this week or something. You know, this is about, it's timeless. You can listen to any of the episodes, yeah, including every, episode different. one starring me. Yeah, and Kevin, <laughs> Kevin was my debut guest, yeah. as you probably knew. So, uh, yeah, not, check that out. Like, share, and subscribe, as always. Um, check out, I did an episode last night of a five-part series I'm doing with the guys at WickedLate.net on the films of Neil Breen. So you can get that uh, right below this episode uh, oh, when yeah, you're on your right. podcast machine. Uh, Neil Genesis Breen Vangelion on covering first the film Double Down. Uh, I don't know what I'll be doing next week's for the next episode. Uh, possibly going to be switching it up a little bit for one week and then coming back for what will be. We're going to be having the 19th and then the 20th episode of the show so our first 20th yeah first sort of like weird little milestone i guess 10 was the first milestone but technically at this point if i count if if i count count 10 it's 25 well but if i count the other that how it works yeah, but at th- I'm saying at this point I have we have two episodes of Wonderfully Awful, and now I have this one Neil. Oh Green yeah, episode. Oh, if you're counting the so other, technically you know. I'm at 20 episodes, but uh, I'm saying this is the, the uh, 17th episode of My Movies Better, so we're gonna have uh, a few more until we get to episode 20, and uh, I want to do something a little special for that. I'm hoping that uh, we can get Russell back, even if it's just for that one episode. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, so keep your eyes peeled for more stuff both of us and uh we will be back next week with something i'm not sure what it is yet we'll be back um so as always enjoy your movies enjoy your time insert i I still forget that joke from the beginning but you didn't have a joke oh yeah that was the whole joke that was the whole joke the joke was the friends we made along the way have a good one you too (laughs) see ya good night I am the greatest champion of all time. And last Monday on Raw, I made Calisto humble. I turned a Mexican churro into a pretzel. And in extreme rules, I take back my title. The United States Championship is my title. And they no longer will say Lucha, Lucha. They will say Machka, 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 Machka.
adventure. Hey, excitement. Hey. Frankly, my dear, I don't give it. You can't handle the butthead. I am the father. Just stand on it, I guess. Long as she can. I love the spell. Mrs. Hogwall. You're gonna need a bigger potion. Come with me if you want to live. See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. How do I look? Bring out today! Welcome. 